0: Buzzard writes in, let me guess, a full show on the Combine. You do know that what guys do in gym shorts tells you nothing about how they play on the field when the pads go on. (laughs) Unleashing the attack dogs to start the show. Combine doesn't matter. Don't talk about the Combine. Combine's overrated. (laughs) The Combine matters. Hit the breaking news. (sighs) Combine matters. Why? Because measured athleticism matters. Otherwise, all you have is the eye test. And as we've talked about on this show many times, the eye test is more often than not a lie test. Exhibit A JJ Nelson. How could you have possibly known how fast JJ Nelson actually is by watching his film? You couldn't. You just couldn't. Watch UAB's grainy film. Good luck appreciating JJ Nelson's long speed. Because JJ Nelson. <laughs> Ran a 4-2-8 as fast as it gets. And so when J.J. Nelson runs a 4-2-8 at the combine, it tells you that he has the necessary long speed to get past defenders, that he can play the stretch X position, that he has that in his range of outcomes. You can play him in three receiver sets on the outside to stretch the defense and make big plays. His 4-2-8 40 time tells you that. That is important information. So the combine matters. Meanwhile, another very short receiver, Andrew Hawkins, ran a 4-3-9. That wasn't fast enough to play the X receiver position. Both of these players, Andrew Hawkins and J.J. Nelson, were under 180 pounds. That is a red flag. Anytime a receiver is sub-180 pounds, it severely limits their role on offense. And caps their upside at the NFL level. Think about it. How many tiny receivers do you see achieving fantasy WR1 status? The answer is zero. They can't. They're not big enough to run a full route tree and have success in all quadrants of the football field. That is required in order to post WR1 numbers. These are situational players. Andrew Hawkins, by running a 4-3-9 at 5'7", 175. That told you a lot. His 40-time told you he does have a career in the NFL. He will make a roster. That's encouraging because if Andrew Hawkins ran a 4-5-1, he wouldn't have made an NFL roster. So by running a 4-3-9, it told us Andrew Hawkins will make an NFL roster and he could carve out a role as a low-volume slot receiver at the NFL level. That's in Andrew Hawkins' range of outcomes because of the 40-time and the agility score. That was important for Andrew Hawkins. It was critical. Attending the combine and testing well made Andrew Hawkins' NFL career possible. It also showed us that J.J. Nelson can have a role on certain NFL offenses as a situational deep threat. And you can deploy him as a stretch X receiver in an offense that has other productive receivers like Arizona, Larry Fitzgerald, John Brown, Michael Floyd, and he can make big plays. And what did he do as a rookie? Well, J.J. Nelson posted a 27.2 yards per reception. How could you have seen that coming? How could we have known that J.J. Nelson could post a 27.2 yards per reception as a rookie? Because of his 40 time! That's how! Because the combine matters! Of course it matters! It matters when you're evaluating Darunya Wilson because Darunya Wilson didn't look that bad. At Mississippi State, an SEC school posting a 26.3%, 37th percentile dominator rating. It's pretty good. It's not great, but it puts him on par with the average receiver in the league coming from an SEC program. And then he also posted 15.3 yards per reception, which was 59th percentile. Broke out at 20.0, which is 61st percentile. So he was relatively young, relatively efficient, with average production. And you might say, well, that's not very exciting. Why would I care what derunya Wilson does at the Combine? Well, because derunya Wilson, 6'5", 224 pounds. That's why. If derunya Wilson went to the Combine, and posted above the 50th percentile 40 time, burst score, agility score, or even one of those three, he would have immediately become a relatively exciting prospect. Some would have been talking about him as being comparable to Kelvin Benjamin. But what happened? Derunya Wilson ran a 48540. So we know because he ran a four eight five forty that he cannot play wide receiver at the NFL level. It is a career impossibility. He will not be running routes on an NFL football field. It's just not possible because four eight five literally doesn't get any worse. It's zero percentile. The slowest receiver we've ever seen. And he's going to have to convert to tight end if he wants to carve out any role whatsoever for an NFL offense. And we know that because of the combine testing. Otherwise, you couldn't have known. I've watched Darunia Wilson's tape and I couldn't perceive watching the tape that he would be that slow in testing. It was impossible. And some teams heavily weight the workout metrics from the combine. Others don't. The ones that don't ignore the combine measurables to their own detriment. So, yes, Deronya Wilson is doomed. I feel bad for him. When I looked up Deronya Wilson and I saw that he posted a 4.85 with a 104.1 burst score, which was first percentile, I sank in my chair. I felt bad for him because at that moment when he looks up at the clock, put yourself in his shoes. Think about the Combine experience from the perspective of Deranya Wilson. It has to be emotionally shattering. Because while he was practicing running the 40 time, maybe he ran in the upper four sixes. Maybe he was telling himself, I got this. I can do this. I'll rise to the occasion. I'll show them that I'm faster than I look. And then it just didn't happen. And his dream of being an NFL receiver was crushed at the NFL scouting combine and that is sad and it just so happens that with this particular receiver class we saw more of these underwhelming workouts than we typically do with most wide receiver classes but yet we shouldn't be worried about Laquan Treadwell that's what I'm hearing Laquan Treadwell skipped all but the explosion events at the combine. And then he jumped an anemic 114.6, 15th percentile. That was his burst score on playerprofiler.com. So the NFL scouting combine is absolutely valuable. But if Laquan Treadwell is still the first wide receiver selected, then the NFL should just cancel the combine. Because apparently the only people benefiting from it are those that are in fantasy football dynasty leagues and do sports metrics focused podcasts. (laughs) Because clearly the NFL teams don't care. If they're going to draft Laquan Treadwell as the first receiver off the board in the NFL draft. But it's a good thing that Deranya Wilson was invited to the combine. I agree. He should have been invited because I keep hearing, oh, this receiver shouldn't have been invited. Oh, that was a waste. It wasn't a waste. NFL scouts got the evaluation of Deranya Wilson they need. And Deranya Wilson received the self-evaluation that he needs in order to decide what he wants to do with his career. Does he want to pursue an NFL career as a tight end and start to bulk up now? Or does he want to go out and do something else with his life? It's soul crushing to receive these results at the combine but it's also a time for reflection and the scouting combine gives Derunya wilson that opportunity to reflect the same thing goes for dequil williams i hear he shouldn't have been invited because He was kicked off the team, and it's clear that he wasn't a great athlete. It wasn't clear to me that DeQuil Williams wasn't a great athlete. DeQuil Williams was a productive SEC wide receiver in 2014, and I think he should have been invited. And just like Deronya Wilson, he was invited, and he underwhelmed, and he showed scouts that had high hopes, or at least fleeting hopes, that the production they saw on the field was paired with at least above-average athleticism, but in the case of Deranya Wilson and in the case of DeQuil Williams, they didn't show great athleticism. And so neither DeRonya Wilson nor DeQuil Williams have futures at the wide receiver position in the NFL. Now we know that. I'm glad they were invited. They deserved to be invited. And when you look at the workouts for these receivers across the board, this weekend proved that this is actually an underwhelming wide receiver class after all because we've been going back and forth. I've been personally vacillating because I noted a bunch of receivers in this class were hugely productive and productive at an early age. That was encouraging. The workouts, not encouraging. But if you look past Aquil Williams and you look past Aranya Wilson and you look at the very bottom rung of this weekend's wide receiver workouts – Southern Mississippi's Michael Thomas not being invited looks more and more egregious because there were more than 10 wide receivers invited to this year's NFL scouting combine with college dominator ratings below 20%, which means according to playerprofiler.com, they never broke out. We don't consider them to have ever broken out. And if you've never broken out at the college level, what are you doing getting invited to the combine? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't. Some of the wide receivers that were invited to the combine include Byron Marshall, DJ Foster, Trevor Davis, Mikael McKay. All of them were invited over the good Michael Thomas from Southern Mississippi, and I don't understand it because he was more productive, and if you watch just a little bit of film on Michael Thomas, the good Michael Thomas from Mississippi, it's clear that he's also athletic, and you'd like to see what he can do with the combine, so it just, it, it's perplexing to me that he wasn't invited. And by the way, we keep talking about the good Michael Thomas. The bad Michael Thomas is the Michael Thomas from Ohio State. The bad Michael Thomas from Ohio State, his best comparable player on playerprofiler.com is officially Brandon LaFell. So there it is. And yes, the comps are up. All the best comparable players for quarterbacks, tight ends, wide receivers, and running backs are now up on playerprofiler.com, so go there now and peruse away. You're not going to find many wide receivers with exciting best comparables. There just aren't very many. It's not a good class. It was a productive class, not an athletic class. Other wide receivers invited to the combine include Colby Listonby, Chris Brown, the wide receiver, not the singer. Chris Brown and Cody Core. (laughs) What is that? It's like a laugh vomit. That's what that list of sub-20% dominator rating wide receivers invited to this year's NFL Scouting Combine. That's what that inspires. Those receivers were all invited to the NFL Scouting Combine over not only the good Michael Thomas, but Paul McRoberts daniel braverman both far superior wide receivers it's just that they went to small schools and if there was ever any doubt that there is an anti-small school bias that infects the nfl's scouting industrial complex it is that fact michael thomas paul McRoberts, daniel braverman all not invited to the combine that tells the story And the solution, as we all know, is that John Moore from Rotoviz and I should be the ones sending out the combine invites. We need to start a campaign, a letter-writing campaign, to let the NFL know that they failed with their combine invites this year, specifically wide receiver invites, and that there is a very easy solution, that there are a couple experts out there that would do a better job. (laughs) With a position like quarterback, I'm less sure if... The NFL invited the right players because the the quarterback position is just harder to evaluate for me. I don't know what to make of Carson Wentz. Mike Mayock thinks that Carson Wentz has an Andrew Luck ceiling. I'm not a quarterback evaluation expert, but I know that Carson Wentz will never be Andrew Luck because Carson Wentz posted a 62.5% completion percentage as a senior at North Dakota State. Like, is that how is that possible like how is a player that posts a 62.5 percent completion percentage at North Dakota State as a senior how is that player invited to the scouting combine how is that player even considered to be drafted by the NFL and yet he's number one on a lot of boards and yet there's talk about him going in the top five overall picks (laughs) what I don't get it. This whole rookie class just confounds me. I, I don't get it. I don't get anything. I don't understand anything. I mean, Carson Wentz is big. He's 6'5", 237, but he's not Andrew Luck because Andrew Luck had a 71.3% completion percentage his final year at Stanford. Almost 10 points higher at a major conference. What? Carson Wentz also underwhelmed with a 7.9 yards per attempt against North Dakota State competition. What? Another big quarterback that went to a small school that had success at the NFL level is Ben Roethlisberger. But Ben Roethlisberger, as a junior, had a 69.1% completion percentage and 9.1 yards per attempt, night and day between Ben Roethlisberger and Carson Wentz. Roethlisberger was younger, more efficient, more prolific. He's not comparable to Locke. He's not comparable to Roethlisberger. Wentz's best case scenario is to be Carson Palmer. And that's good, right? That's good, but that's also best case scenario. That's his absolute peak ceiling because Carson Palmer posted a 63.2% completion percentage his senior year and an 8.1 yards per attempt his senior year. So Carson Palmer's efficiency was similar to Wentz as a senior, but it was still a notch higher playing in a major conference as opposed to playing for North Dakota State. So I just don't understand the Carson Wentz enthusiasm. I just don't. At all, But yes, it is possible, because he's big and he has a big arm, that he could be the next Carson Palmer. But that is the absolute best case scenario for Wentz. If I were an NFL team, I would rather have Jared Goff, even though he has tiny baby hands. We talked about this on the Football Die Hard show last week. They're not tiny, and they're not baby hands. They're tiny baby hands. <laughs> it's like, oh God. <laughs> Crushed him with the tiny baby hands criticism. And if you Google Jared Goff, tiny baby hands, that criticism is everywhere. It's, it's, it's the description of his hands that everyone has locked onto. It's really unfortunate. I feel bad for him. Not as bad as I feel for Deronya Wilson, but I still feel bad for Jared Goff. Because that's just... Whew. So I think if I'm a, if I'm an NFL team looking for a quarterback, I would be trying to get my hands on Jared. <laughs> trying to get my hands if I'm an NFL team. If I'm a <laughs> if I'm an NFL franchise and I need a quarterback, I am trying to get my tiny baby hands on Jared Goff. I'm trying to cradle Jared Goff. Right? <laughs> trying to cradle Jared Goff and then put Jared Goff in a bassinet, right? It's okay, little guy. Here you go, Jared. You want a rattle? Are you hungry, buddy? Yeah. Shh. 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 Rock-a-bye, Jared, on the treetop. When the wind blows, your cradle will rot, Then the bough breaks, the cradle will fall. Down goes Jared. <sighs> Has to be the most violent lullaby in the history of lullabies. Here we go, Jared. Branch breaks. Jared falls from the sky, smashes onto the ground. <laughs> that lullaby is horrifying. Poor Jared Goff. I don't know why. I just imagine Jared Goff as a baby. That's all I could think of him as. I think of him like a toddler wearing full pads and a helmet. It doesn't fit him. That image is just unfortunate. It really is. (laughs) That is the image that is now seared into my mind whenever I think of Jared Goff. That's what I think. It's just terrible. His PR people are just shaking their head going, How do we change this? How do we fix this? The Jared Goff brand is now synonymous with toddlers, jerseys, and helmets that don't fit, and little teeny tiny hands in a bassinet. Regardless, I would try to get my hands, I I don't know why I can't say this, I would try my best if I was an NFL team that needed a quarterback like the Cleveland Browns, Houston Texans, I would target Jared Goff. And if I couldn't get Jared Goff, I wouldn't use high round draft capital on a quarterback, period. I'd rather take a chance on Kevin Hogan or Brandon Allen late. These are quarterbacks with 85.0 plus college QBRs and 90th percentile plus yards per attempt. Those would be the players I would target late and hope to hit on someone like a Kirk Cousins instead of burning a first round pick on a Carson Wentz. The issue is, Hogan is old, and Allen is old and small. It's just not pretty. Quarterback position, not pretty. This year or moving forward, the NFL has a quarterback one shortage problem. It is coming. I vacillated on this too. I... Thought the NFL had a QB1 shortage problem coming. Then my concerns were eased by the ascendance of Blake Bortles and Derek Carr. And now I'm right back where I started. Believing again that the NFL has a QB1 shortage imminent. And we got a sneak preview of what this QB shortage looks like. Why it is a concern. We got a sneak preview last season. In the form of Brandon Whedon, Matt Castle, Nick Foles, TJ Yates, Matt Hasselbeck. We saw way too much of those quarterbacks last year, and it helped make for some awful football. And the NFL right now is relying on a significant number of 35-year-old quarterbacks, and it's a concern. So which wide receivers won the Combine? That's the question. That's what everyone wants to know. Which wide receivers won? Which wide receivers lost? Sure, running backs, sure, quarterbacks, sure, tight ends. But the real question is which wide receivers won the combine? Which wide receivers lost the combine? What do you think, Fantasy Mansion? Well, of course, I think that Josh Doxson won the combine. Hey, (laughs) oh! Easily, by the way, without a challenge, just won the combine by just dominating. Just every event, 64th percentile or above. 4540, 135.2 burst score, 97th percentile, 1092 agility score, 79th percentile, 1092 agility score for a 6-2 receiver. That is exceptional. There are very few 6-2 receivers. In the NFL, 6'2 or above, there are very few 6'2 or above receivers in the NFL that can run a sub 11 flat agility score. Josh Doxson is one of them, which is why he has a 1033, 96 percentile catch radius. Woo! Woo! We did it! We did it! Yes! We did it! Help! That was my reaction to the Josh Doxon workouts. Just, <sighs> just laid back in my recliner and just shot some Josh Doxon heroin and looked up at the ceiling and just said, <sighs> felt so good. It really did. It felt so good to be so right about a receiver. It also helped that many others were so wrong about receivers like Laquan Treadwell. Now we're seeing the bandwagon start to gather momentum. Oh, it's getting full pretty quickly. Welcome to Josh Doxonville, the best wide receiver in this class. Population before the combine, three. I thought Josh Doxon was the number one receiver in this class a year ago. Jake Sealy thought Josh Doxon was the best receiver in this class months ago. And of course, my daughter Vivian, course, she thought Josh Doxon was the best wide receiver in this class because she doesn't think Laquan Treadwell is even elite. I didn't say that. I didn't say Laquan Treadwell's not elite, but that was what Vivian said in passing. She just said it by the way. She was getting out of the car on her way to school, and she said, oh, by the way, Dad, Laquan Treadwell's not elite. I said, what? What did you say? And then she's like, bye, bye, and she's waving and running away like, what did you say? What did you say about Laquan Treadwell, hon? Say that again? She's like, bye, Dad, love you. (laughs) Like, what? What did she just say? Did she really say that? Who would dare to say that? little girl you can't say Laquan Treadwell's not elite how dare you (laughs) you are going to be grounded when you get home young lady you don't say that about Laquan Treadwell the elite the chosen one Laquan Treadwell you can't say that about Laquan Treadwell no 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 (laughs) Laquan Treadwell in his 15th percentile burst score (laughs) yeah you can't say that about him yeah but yes the Josh Doxon bandwagon is absolutely gathering momentum I read this tweet today The more time I spend pondering the matter, the more I wonder if I'm not being honest with my process. Just not being honest with my process. How can I be honest with my process if Josh Doxon isn't my number one receiver? Yes. The more time I spend pondering the matter, the more time I think, hmm, how can Josh Doxon not be my number one receiver? Let me continue to ponder this. Let me ponder a bit more and get back to you with definitive answer as to whether or not Josh Doxon should be the number one receiver in this class. Need a little more time to ponder. I'm starting to be attracted to that bandwagon. Yes. (laughs) Looks awful comfy in that Josh Doxon bandwagon. People seem to be having a pretty good time. (laughs) This Laquan Treadwell bandwagon. (laughs) Pretty sad bandwagon now. Just a couple people with empty plastic cups muttering to themselves, (laughs) right? Meanwhile, the Josh Doxson bandwagon, there's a DJ, there's house music, there's lights, everybody's jumping, everybody's dancing, champagne is being sprayed everywhere. A little bit different. But Josh Doxson is the clear number one wide receiver in this class. And the reason why is because you can't downgrade a player significantly just because he transferred schools. That doesn't make any sense. Just on that fact alone, because that's the primary criticism of Josh Dawson, that he's old. Well, he transferred. That's it. Don't worry about it. He broke out at an early age. He posted a 20% Dominator rating as a freshman at Wyoming before his 19th birthday. So he broke out at an early age. It's no problem with Josh Doxson. If anything, because he's a year or two older than many other prospects, he's more polished and more likely to contribute as a rookie at the NFL level. So in a way, being old for Josh Doxson might be advantageous. Let me ask you this question. What if Allen Robinson had transferred after his rookie year at Penn State? Because that was 2011, the year of the most heinous scandal in the history of college athletics, and it happened on Allen Robinson's campus, in Allen Robinson's locker room. So if there was ever a player and a situation in which you would understand him transferring, it would have been Allen Robinson transferring in the wake of the Jerry Sandusky child molestation scandal. It was the biggest scandal in the history of college athletics. But Alan Robinson stayed, even though as a freshman he only posted three receptions for 29 yards. He stayed. But if he had transferred, his college career would have looked a lot more similar to Josh Doxon's. And would that have degraded Alan Robinson's talent or ability? No, of course not. I mentioned this on the Filmetrics podcast with George Kritikos and Nick Whalen. You should go listen to it. I went on this Sunday to talk about the Combine, my immediate reaction from the Combine. I dialed in. And you can look for it on iTunes. It's F-I-L-M-E-T-R-X. F-I-L-M-E-T-R-X on iTunes. It is the nexus of film and metrics. Filmetrics. That's the theme of the podcast. Check it out and subscribe. And I was talking about this very topic, Josh Doxson and the Alan Robinson Parallel. The problem was I forgot that I was not doing a show by myself, which often happens when I go on these other podcasts. I forget that it's not just me talking, that I'm on someone else's platform. So then I mentioned this Allen Robinson, Jerry Sandusky hypothetical, and there was just silence on the line. I mean, you could hear papers turning as George and Nick just looked for other topics to pivot to. (laughs) Totally understandable. And my next thought was, oh, oh, that's right. People probably don't want to talk about a four-year-old mega scandal the day after the combine. Yeah. So that was probably not a good idea to bring that up. Sometimes I can see all of you in the audience just shaking your head when I throw a dead fish on a show like that. I can just see you all just shaking your head going, why did he do that? God. I'm sorry. I need to get better at that. Those Sandusky topics are for Roto Underworld Radio only. Need to develop some sort of Pavlovian device so I can train myself to stop doing that, to stop throwing dead fish on other people's podcasts. This is awful. So the pivot was hey, what do you think of Sterling Shepard's combine? And my answer was it was a roller coaster. I mean, I was most encouraged by Josh Doxson's burst. If you had to pick one metric on playerprofiler.com that was derived from the combine that I was most encouraged by, it would have been, it is, Josh Doxson's burst. Because that helped to prove to everyone that Josh Doxson is what we thought he was. We saw him rise up and high point the ball and convert long receptions and touchdowns with great burst and strong hands. We saw that on tape and... Josh Doxson validated that with his workouts. So that was great to see. In general, it's very encouraging when the positive traits you see on film match up with the workouts. And those are precisely the type of topics they like to cover on the Philmetrics podcast. That's why I would encourage you to go and subscribe. Now in terms of disappointment, I was most disappointed by Sterling Shepard's agility score because before he posted a 25th percentile agility score, Sterling Shepard was on an Odell Beckham Jr. like pace. He's 5'10. Odell Beckham was 5'10. Sterling Shepard's 190. Odell Beckham Jr., 190. Shepard posted a 4'4840. Odell Beckham posted a 4'4340. They had similar vertical jumps, similar broad jumps. I was really excited about Sterling Shepard after he ran the 40 and completed the vertical jump and the broad jump, and then it just fell apart. Of all the events that Sterling Shepard would fail... The last set of events that I would expect Sterling Shepherd to fail would be the agility drills of all things, because when you watch Sterling Shepherd on tape, you see a player with great lateral quickness. That's what you see on tape with Sterling Shepard, and yet the workouts didn't validate that. And to me, that's a red flag, just like it's a positive sign when Josh Doxson validates what you see on film with his workouts, Sterling Shepherd invalidated it with his workouts. Sterling Shepard had a bizarro Sterling Shepard combine. Going in, I thought he would be a hugely agile player that lacked explosiveness, but now we know he's a super explosive player that actually lacks agility. So now he's a full-blown enigma. How many small receivers without great agility can play the slot receiver full-time? Not many. How many small receivers without great long speed can play X? Not many. So Sterling Shepard may have to be Willie Sneed-like to carve out a role as a flanker, Z receiver, a guy with great hands, excellent technician, strong blocker. So Willie Sneed, Alan Hearns, I believe that's now Sterling Shepard's best case scenario. And while the eye test told me that he was either Rashad Green or Justin Hardy, on playerprofiler.com, we found that he's closest to Albert Wilson and Santonio Holmes.